0: Indeed, found no proscenium, the voice of everything immersive. I'm your host, Noah Nelson, and welcome to episode 380. Wow. Uh, This week on the show, No Pro's London curator Shelley Snyder takes over the interview duties to talk with Immersive Everywhere's Brian Hook about the company's upcoming debut of The Great Gatsby in New York City after a long London run, along with a few updates about Gatsby's future in the UK. It's the first of what's set to become some regular podcast dispatches coming out of London thanks to the continued support of our Patreon backers. More on that in a moment before we get to that a quick review of what's on the site this week and some notes about the next stage immersive summit coming up this june in la let's start with the site the rundown this week has two enthusiastic reviews of what we might call next gen escape games in new york city That would be Doors of Divergence's Madness 1917 and the pop-up Order of the Golden Scribe initiation tea at the Cell Theater. There's also coverage of some of the LA Art Show's installation offerings from arts editor Laura Hess. This month's call sheet also has some fresh new updates. And for those looking for their next adventure, the front page of Everything Immersive, our searchable site of all listings submitted to us, has been refreshed with all kinds of new and returning experiences. Links for all of that in the show notes. Now, as we're putting this out, we are just 14 weeks away from the launch of the Next Stage Immersive Summit here in Los Angeles. June 2nd through 4th, at Arizona State University's California Center in downtown L.A. It's coming up so quick. Programming announcements will start hitting in early March. We're in some key conversations right now. And tickets are scheduled to go on sale on March 15th. For all those who had tickets to our canceled 2020 and 2022 2022 events, COVID. Uh, and March 22nd for everyone else. My eternal enemy, COVID. Um, not this time, buddy. Not this time. I'll burn this entire planet down if I can't do this thing. Um, okay, That's unscripted. Anyway, we're only putting 160 tickets on sale for this one. Just 160 with an additional 20 subsidized and 20 full scholarship tickets, both of which will be available by application only, which means this event is about on the scale of the second immersive design summit way back in 2019. Now, here's the thing. I can't reveal the lineup yet. I can say that we've got a great mix of faces, both familiar and unfamiliar, and we're covering a breadth of work that includes theater, of course, immersive gaming XR, and more. And anyone who has been to one of our previous events, be it The Dig or our years of co-producing the IDS, knows we create spaces that launch connections and projects alike. So if you're looking to take your career to the next level, set your sights on the next stage. And now an update on the Patreon campaign. Let's start with our latest backers, Emily Layfield, Richard Lou Bizanti and Mallory Vance. Thanks to them, we now sit at 409 backers, which is amazing, and are just $241 away from our target of hitting 3 a month by March 15th, unless the newsletter goes behind a paywall. I don't want to do the stick, but if I have to, I will. As little as $2 a month at patreon.com slash guarantees your access to the newsletter no matter what and keeps us from turning this into a subscription-only service. Fighting hard against all of that. Come on. Patreon.com slash to make it happen. If you're already a backer, and I know so many of you who listen are, so many on the regular are, Drop a review on iTunes or your podcatcher of choice, and share the articles you find useful on your social media platform of choice. It helps immensely. We are always... In fact, I think a lot of you are because we're seeing growth in the readership on the regular. I am seeing the growth. I watch the numbers like a hawk. It's happening. It's really happening. All right? We are always no proscenium, except on Insta, where we are no underscore proscenium. And as always, big thanks to our sustaining backers, Samuel Mustry, Chris Woolman, Samantha Davison, Eric Shamlin, Elaine, Daryl, Jay Bushman, Jerome Joseph Gentis, Tom Leonetti McGuire, Wynn Thorne, Ryan, David Bassick, Richard Ayers, Lonnie Hands-On, the Ministry of Peculiarities, and Jan Budman. Thank you all. You keep us going, you are the rock we build all this on. We're also looking, we're also on the lookout for community partners who are up for working out special deals for our backers, sweetening the pot for everybody. Hit me up at Noah at no for details, or if you're interested in sponsoring any of the stuff we do, the podcast, the newsletter, all of it counts. All of it counts towards that goal. And uh and, and making this really sustainable. All right. Because this is we've got to do it this year. Okay. And with that note, we're going to kick it over to Shelley in London, and you got yourself a show.
1: Today, we're talking with producer Brian Hook about Immersive Everywhere's The Great Gatsby, now in its seventh year run in London and its upcoming shift across the pond to New York City. So, Brian, thank you so much for coming today. Um, Tell me a little bit about how Gatsby got its start. From my understanding, it started at the Vault Festival.
2: Yeah, it it actually started a little bit before that. Um, And and I'll give you the the real uh, honest answer of how it started. So, um, going back many years eight or nine years. Um, I used to produce a uh, what we now call an immersive show. I don't think we really thought of it like that called um, Christmas Carol and it was all based around um, Charles Dickens' Christmas Carol. Uh, and when... The audience, like when you get to the interval, instead of an interval, you, the doors kick open and we feed, you know, a hundred people and it's all this kind of feasting thing. And we used to do it in York, um, old York, uh, and um, and uh, the landlord there, a fella called Brian Fury, is a really nice guy. And we drunkenly I uh, said, I'd love to run a pub with you, we should, we should do that. Um, and then he rang me on New Year's Day, so only you know, a few few days later, and said, funnily enough, the pub just down the road from me is closed, do you want to take it over? And I said, yeah, that, that'd be a laugh. Yeah, and and we ran a pub for a year called The Fleeting Arms, um, and that was kind of given to artists for free, uh, and they could rehearse shows there and put stuff on in the evening. And we always knew we would have it for a year, hence why it was called The Fleeting Arms, and then we'd hand it back over to the landlord. And... Um, as, as part of that we were talking about how to close the pub what what should we do as a big um finishing uh, kind of number there and me and alexander wright the creator of uh, the great gatsby we run a company together called the guild of misrule um and uh we were walking his yorkshire terrier across a field and he said i'd love to do the beautiful the damned um, which is arguably you know a, a beautiful book and would make an incredibly uh, good theatre show. I prefer it to The Great Gatsby in terms of, of, of its storytelling and narrative and, um, uh, and so we got into that and I said do you know what, I can't sell tickets to Beautiful on the Dam but I could probably sell tickets to The Great Gatsby is <laughs> the unfortunately uh, bizarre way we started and we got really into that idea and we so we ran it in York for six weeks before it came to Vault Festival and um, and it went absolutely crazy, I mean York doesn't really have anything that you would even call an immersive theater show, let alone what we made there was quite quite unique in itself. And uh, and at the first show had seven audience members. Um, uh, and by the end of the week, the whole run was sold out. Like, it just went... This at, was in New York. Yeah, in York. Yeah. It went crazy. So we we then took it down to London to Vault Festival, which I, I think you saw the show. I did. Yeah. I
1: saw its initial part of the... Uh, Festival and I remember being so impressed by by what you guys did with that space. Now obviously the ball festival's taken off. Yeah. Uh and it's a huge immersive hotbed. But I remember seeing Gatsby and going, Holy cow, this should be somewhere permanent in town and lo and behold.
2: Yeah, and well it (laughs) It, the gorgeous thing about Gatsby is is the story that you can tell about its kind of things is, is far um, more gorgeous than the facts of it. Like at the time, we ran it for six week in Vault Festival and and it was sold out before we opened and we put another two thousand tickets on sale and they sold out and I thought, geez, this is I th- we hit a bit of a zeitgeist partly about what immersive theatre is and and was at the time. You know, we're going back seven or eight years now, and mm-hmm. um, and then. Partly about the way we tell that story and partly about, I think it's a really good v- version of The Great Gatsby. I'm obviously biased, but like I think it's a really <laughs> good way of experiencing that narrative and that story and, and taking people on the kind of rise and fall through it. And so we transferred it to CoLab for six weeks, which lasted seven years, which is, you know, and, and that just constantly, um, you probably know Bertie Watkins' CoLab. Um, and so we put it in in his space and we were constantly extending it by two months at a time, because none of us knew whether it would still be here, you know, and and, and yet it just kept selling. Yeah, and and I think you know, and we had hard times during that. You know, it wasn't all plain sailing, but it was incredible, you know, and and an incredible journey and an incredible. Business model that underpinned the creative, and I think those two things being really symbiotic was was how Gatsby really found its feet, and then it took on a life of its own. You know, then it just went crazy. But um, it was, yeah, it's something I'm remarkably proud of. I mean, uh, there are I've made about 130 shows over the years, and and Gatsby really stands on its own as being something that um, people still love and people still find new things. And every time we change the cast and remake the show, you know, I'm very close to that that process and um it's gorgeous finding a new cast and and them finding what gatsby means to them you know it, it's it's kind of gone through so many social political changes and all sorts of things as well over that time and i like to think although the words haven't changed the meaning of the show has shifted and lent into that you know as we've gone
1: how has it helped that uh, during the run i believe gatsby uh, entered creative commons
2: <laughs> Did you have
1: any kind of issue with licensing for it or is it just it's so old that no one cared?
2: I mean, no. So in the UK, that was never really a consideration. But I uh, lovingly (laughs) (laughs) have have from from day one nearly um, been speaking to the rights holders who were Warner Brothers at the time uh, in, in the US and saying, hey... This falls out of copyright on the 1st of January 2020. I, I'm coming. Like I will open up on the 2nd of January. And I don't care if I tell everybody it's a secret show and tell them on the 2nd of January what it is. Um, and we had this gorgeous kind of back and forth with the legal team where they're developing, you know, as we know, their own musicals and, and whatever of Gatsby. And uh, and so they were very much in. And their answer was always, um, yeah, well, you know, we're going to be out first with our musical. Um, so thank you for it. They were very kind and very generous and, and lovely. But they were saying, no, you can't come here, you know. And I said, we'll, we'll work together. We'll produce it together. But no 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 so we had to wait until uh, after that time and obviously that time was a very strange time in the world so you know yeah, um, so we we parked it um, for a couple of years while <laughs> like we,
1: one does
2: as one does and we did loads of ridiculous things in the UK during that time and Gatsby was one of the first shows to reopen during the pandemic and and did a lot of pathfinding for the sector and, and you know and, and it was kind of a Gatsby's always been more than the sum of its parts in that way you know Um, and so yeah so taking it kind of to the US is such a you know, um, not lifelong, but it's getting there, uh, ambition and, and direction for the show to travel and take it to its... The venue that we've got is remarkable as well and has its own history in, in, in Fitzgerald's world and, and real life and um, Arnold Rothstein, the, the gangster that inspired Mayor Wolfsheim, um, was shot in the venue that we're putting the show in. There's a bullet hole. And what's the venue? Um, so it's the Park Central Hotel and we've got all the ballrooms of the Park Central, which are gorgeous before we got our hands hold of them, um, art deco ballrooms that we've knocked through and reconstituted <laughs> and hidden all these beautiful chandeliers and put our own in and, and all these sorts of things. So, um, But it is, yeah, it's the, the, the building that Arnold Rothstein was eventually shot in, I think, 1924 um, uh, in there. So, it, you know, it, it really does have its own um, part of the legacy and, and something to tell...
1: So it sounds like you're moving to much bigger digs than you currently have, so uh, then that leads into questions like how big of an audience switch are you moving into? Are you adding more characters? What kind of changes basically have you had to make with the current existence uh, to fit the space of the new one?
2: Yeah, I mean, changing Gatsby to Fit Spaces has always been part of it, you know, uh, of, of, of making the show, and that's partly why it stays so um, interesting, I guess, as a show to produce, you never just, just pick it up and play it. Um, and we always try and lean into the venue that we're at. And so we produce the show in Korea and Belgium and Dublin and all sorts of places. And each time we've had to find its own thing. So Gatsby, I mean, practically sits on about 12,000 square foot in London and uh, it's on about 18,500 square foot um, of playing space in, um, in New York+. plus dressing rooms and whatever so you know it's a much bigger beast than it was in terms of the audience capacity we're not changing it much uh, it's 250 in london i think we'll be at 299 in new york so that doesn't change much we're adding four characters for um characters that we've always written and talked about and have existed in different iterations as we've done it in in korea and um but have not been seen by a uk audience and um and certainly not by an American audience. So that's uh, Wolfsheim and Kitty and um, Clit Springer and, uh, and uh, um, Owl Eyes as well. So bringing in some more of those characters that we understand those narrative tracks really well. But just creates a much richer environment for for the audience to kind of explore and new scenes. And and we really wanted to lean into Mayor Wolfsheim and that kind of under side of... Um, uh, of the Gatsby narrative and things that you you know one of my favourite characters George Wilson is barely in the book um, you know we've invented him to, to, to sit around that that the story that we wanted to tell mm-hmm. um, you know you can't do Gatsby spoiler alert he shoots Gatsby at the end you can't do Gatsby without him
1: but I think it's important to have a character like George uh, someone for the audience to interact with because he does not live the crazy expensive wastrel lifestyle that the other characters do I mean you've got you can see the Sort of opens questions about living to excess and what that does to you versus the folks who have to support that lifestyle. I think it's good to have George.
0: Yeah,
2: and it, and he carries a lot of of the opposite to Gatsby. You know, um, George, in his bones, believes in the American dream, or certainly in the UK show, believes in the American dream. You know, he thinks that things will get better, and you just need to work harder, and uh, and 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 it's going to work like that. And Gatsby obviously has the complete opposite view, <laughs> and and will take anything from anyone, and and and. Uh, you know in in some respects different characters you know different uh, actors have played Gatsby over the years and brought really different things you know sometimes he's been um very distant and closed off and sometimes he's been sometimes he really believes what he says and something you know you get different actors bring something really gorgeous to that role and I think we're so we're mapping out George into a much bigger character and I think also looking and reflecting on um uh, again, this is—it's—we get so much that isn't in the novel into into the shows about what it is to come back from World War One. You know what it is to be, have been promised uh, this American dream, and that you just suck it up and go on with it. Um, you know, it really was the American kind of. Um, uh, uh, kind of stiff up a lipping and, and and just get on with it um was it the expectation from that kind of lower class of, of society that they just walk back from the trenches with all these new skills and all these new exciting things that they'd learned um and get on with it and obviously it didn't work like that so i think our uh, george wilson in new york would be much more knowing of where he is you know much more um a participant in uh in the underworld of Catsby, but also knowing that he wants to get out of that. So I think we're just leaning a bit more into that. Whereas in London, I think he's a bit naive to it all. You know, I don't think he really (laughs) knows what's going on. So I really wanted to dig into that a bit more.
1: Um, I mean, as an American... um, I know that The Great Gatsby is, it's a short, it's a novella, basically. It's a short book, but it's required reading. Mm -hmm. Like, students all coming up through grade 12, everyone has had to read The Great Gatsby at one time. Now, as a teenager, you don't understand it. Like, you might sort of, like, paddle around the shallow end, but it's a book written for adults. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so transferring this show to an American audience, many of whom will have read the story... Having a sh- an immersive show with all these different characters, you can explore things like what it's like coming back from from a war and uh, the different socioeconomic uh, trends between them. So, it's sort of having filling out these extra characters gives people a way to explore written material that they probably haven't revisited since they were in school. Uh, and something like a musical that you know can only tell one story, and you know over the course of two hours versus coming to Uh, your production, which you could come over and over again and experience all these different storylines.
2: Yeah, and, um, and I guess like the really boring kind of top-down view of Gatsby, um, there's about 22 hours worth of content that happens over a two-hour period, and there's 59 different combinations of, of seeing the show. So that there's, um, that there's that's how we make these kind of immersive theatre shows. Peaky Blinders is the same, and Doctor Who Time Fracture is a much bigger version of the same thing, so mm-hmm. that's kind of like academically how we make these shows. Mm-hmm. And I think... It's great for
1: repeat sales. Yeah. That's from, from the dirty economics point of view, it gets you repeat customers, which Non immersive productions can't really, unless you're a crazy and ghosty fan of the opera 40 times.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, I, and I, you know, there's space enough for both of those. Um, <laughs> I, I think that, and that was never the driver behind the work that we made. I don't think we really understood. We do now, but I think we really understood that people would come back and back and back. I think we just wanted... We just thought that would be the best way to tell the story. But people do. I mean, people have seen it literally hundreds of times, um, which is remarkable. Um, and we kind of... On the final performance in London, we had a lot of those kind of super fans come back. And, and we had... Three of the original audience members, who were of the seven audience members <laughs> in, in York, brought them back in. You know, it was a kind of a gorgeous loving of of all the the, the journey of Gatsby, and I think that you know we talked a bit about George there, but there's th- that. You know, every character has two hours worth of content that they take to to the show, you know, about two hours and twenty minutes. Which so there's a huge amount of of exploration there. I mean, um, Jordan Baker is one of my favourite characters as well, and, and yeah, mine too. Yeah, she's such a badass. Um, and and like having the license to explore that, and Gatsby and Nick Carraway, you know, they all carry their own. Kind of arc through the show, and it, it, it anyone who hasn't seen it, it happens concurrently at the same time. So the whole show happens over um, the space of one evening that takes you to the party in its town, and and then kind of the the. the um, Prologue at the end of the show. Sorry, um, we kind of wrap up what happens in the in the next few days. Gatsby's funeral and so on and so forth. So you're living it live. You're you're experiencing it kind of in real time as you push through the narrative, and you have agency in that. You know you can choose to go into different rooms. You can choose to not. You can choose to pass on messages. You can choose to not. You can kind of explore that. Yourself, and that's got richer and richer as the years have gone on, and different shows, and we've got better at our jobs. You know that (laughs) storytelling of uh, of of making an audience feel like they really matter. So you can speak to the actors; you don't have to, but you can speak to the actors. And you might, if you go into the one-on-one scenes with Daisy, she'll talk to you about what it is to have you know a a two-year-old child um, in the twenties, why she can't divorce Tom. You know these kind of beautiful moments that um, that are present in the book but not really explored in the book we get time a generous amount of time to sit in them you know and 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 explore that like you say it's a novella I think you probably read it in 22 hours (laughs) (laughs) we we put 22 hours worth of stuff in the show so yeah I love it I mean hopefully you can tell I still love it and and it's very rare to do it to do a single piece of work for you know going on eight years now and still Mm be absolutely desperately.
1: some productions you know maybe have a six-week run and
2: then that's it (laughs) Yeah yeah and it and and we've done shows that have lasted for years before but it, but it it's never it becomes a job at some point and it, and Gatsby has never become a job you know it is something we all all the creatives all the team that work on it you know even lighting sound stage management everybody Loves it. Um, it's a really fun environment. I think that's partly about the environment that you make when you make a show as well. You know, We all have dinner together on the first day of rehearsals. We all, you know, you are welcomed into the Gatsby family and people come and go and come back again through that family. So mm-hmm. it, it's kind of how it operates as well.
1: Are any of the current cast members coming over to New York City or are you sort of expecting to recast locals?
2: Yeah, a great question. So we, we're doing a bit of both. So um, the a lot of the original company of Gatsby are now the associate directors and assistant directors. Oh,
1: Um, that's nice. Yeah,
2: Yeah, and partly because they know the tracks so well and choreographers and and so on and so forth. So we're taking a lot of the original company of Gatsby over to teach the show to a, a New York team. And I think we also felt it very important that the show wasn't a bunch of Brits swanning in to tell an American story we've got a lot <laughs> a lot of U.S. creatives you know pretty much everybody except Alex is a, a U.S. creative Alex uh, Alexander Wright is the, the creator and and director of the show and then he's got um, U.S. associates and the U.K. team under him and then everybody else is from New York because I think that is the right way to tell that story as well I think I think it's about um, it being an honest reflection and who am I to tell new yorkers what they think about our story you know and we've always done that you know we've when we've worked in in korea in dublin whatever we've gone right here's what we know here's you know here's everything that we know about the story now what what is it to you and how do we how do we home that you know how do we make a home for it and how do we teach that you know so yeah so it's a bit of both good good question yeah i'm looking forward to it they're a good good bunch.
1: Excellent. So one of the other, um, sort of cultural differences, uh, and this is between traditional theater and immersive theater, also American audiences versus UK audiences. I remember being really impressed at the fact that, so Great Gatsby takes place, as you said, over the course of one evening, over the course of a party, mm-hmm. uh, and you guys have an open bar, not an open bar, but like your, your bar is open throughout the show. And so audiences can get themselves drinks at any point in the, within reason, yep. um, And this is fairly typical of like a London audience where there's always bars at every theater there. You're expected, audiences are expecting to be able to drink while watching the show rather than um, waiting till the interval or eating before or after, but not being allowed to take drinks into the theater and continue to enjoy them. Uh, Have you, did you struggle at the beginning with audiences potentially getting too drunk Um, do you have any kind of, you know, concerns about, uh, what is a New York audience going to be like if you can't basically is, is the bar, does that factor into your financial plans?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'll try and answer all of those. In <laughs> that was so
1: no, many questions, control. but yeah. it fascinates me about the 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 economics of food and beverage during shows.
2: Yeah, sure. So I, I guess I'll talk a bit about that, and then and then into kind of um, how we've done it in the past and in the future. Um, so yeah, I mean the the gorgeous thing that kind of underpins Gatsby, and and we really lucked out on this because I think if you have made the show in any other way, it would have opened for six weeks and then closed. And <laughs> um, all the bar sales, all the merchandise, every bit of revenue goes back into the pot to pay the actors, cast crew and then goes back to the investors so and that's all of it so there's no um buying a drink at the bar is just as important as buying a ticket to the show and, and it accounts for about a third of the revenue of the production so it so it is a, a really significant kind of um piece of the puzzle kind of practically as a producer of how you're putting it together and we've managed to maintain that um you know the, the show always um pays back in and, and it makes a very stable business model which Means we can give jobs to people for a long time, which is one of my yes. biggest joys in life.
1: And um, it's also a major audience draw, being able to offer yeah. food and beverage like during the show.
2: Yeah, and I think Gatsby is that kind of meld of a party and a story. And a, you know, there's that gorgeous line: "I like big parties; they're so intimate." Um, and and you kind of re- to really create that, you need to lean into that. And I think that is. We've seen off so many versions of Gatsby over the last seven years. I don't know whether it's obvious or not, but plays and readings and other immersive shows. And um, that night- a Baz Luhrmann film. Oh, yeah, I'm not sure Baz we saw one. off the Baz Luhrmann film, but uh, but he does know who we are, which is fascinating. I, I've Fantastic. Met, yeah, I met him briefly and, and, yeah, he'd heard of it, which is sweet. Um, uh, really nice guy. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I think it... Um, uh, it is about like the best way to tell that story is partly to attend Gatsby's mansion and and to be a part of that party and to dress up and to go. You know, we have never really asked audiences to dress up; they've chosen to, which has been fascinating. Um, we actually took it off of the marketing, and I didn't want people to feel pressured. I want you to come from from work, whatever, and they did it anyway. So
1: I have seen some stunning fashion oh. at it. <laughs> some people really show to the point where you're like, you wish you were acting in this, don't you?
2: <laughs> yeah, and, and I love that because it's very easy to forget. even have done the show for a very long time. It's very easy to forget that those audience members coming from the first time can't tell who is an actor and who is an audience member. Mm-hmm. And that's magic. Like, you can see them be like... Oh, the the best day of that, I'll digress for a second, was um, at the first night of Vault's Festival for Gatsby mm-hmm. and um, a clanging name drop. Neil Patrick Harris came to the show.
1: He comes to everything. I've run into him. I ran into him at... Um, Oh, God, the magic flute, the yeah. the Queen in New York City. Yeah. Queen of the Night, thank you. Yeah, he was just there, and he also ran out on the track, so I'm so glad that he came to yours.
2: Yeah, and and uh, and there was a gorgeous moment. We all laugh about this in the creative team. Um, there was a gorgeous moment where, for one night only, 200 audience members looked across at Neil Patrick Harris and thought, is he going to play... I nearly swore that. Is he going <laughs> to play Gatsby? It's have they managed to get Neil Patrick Harris in G- And there's this kind of gorgeous moment of of that. And you
1: passed him your card and said, if you guys ever want to learn the track to play, come play Gatsby.
2: We had a couple of beers and we talked about making immersive theatre shows and, and he was fascinated by... The process and, the, and and that kind of choose your own adventure version of it, um, and we stayed in touch for, for quite a while off the back of it. And, and he said, you know, if you ever come to New York, give us a shout. So we will. So you're gonna call him? Yeah, for sure, man, for sure. Otherwise, or he'll just show up, right? And and either is fine. Um, I think it's about uh, yeah. So, so kind of setting that. Kind of world up, actually, that world up, where celebrities, you know, so many celebrities have come to the show over the years, and that's kind of gorgeous bit of art in itself. You know, you've got you look across the room and Megan Fox is there, and you look, you know, all of this kind of madness that should be at a Gatsby party has existed over the years, and then in terms of uh, how that will affect different audiences, it's been different everywhere we've gone. I mean, in South Korea. Um, one massive learning we were told this from the off but it but it was fascinating to kind of see it there um drinking in a theatre is not a thing at all really um I mean theatres don't have bars There you don't take a drink in it's not not the done thing um and so Gatsby I think was the first or one of the first shows to ever have a bar in it um and also, theatre out there is quite conservative, um, which is very different. You know, we see it as a very lefty, liberal-leaning mm-hmm. art form. Playground, you right. know. Yeah. And, and that is not the case in, mm-hmm. in South Korea. So to do this kind of big-hitting lefty-liberal show with a bar in it was mad. <laughs> you know, and people couldn't... And you'd sit there and be like, right, cool, and that's where we put the bar. And they were like, the, the bar? And <laughs> you're like, yeah, 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 and we'll serve drinks and we'll do this. And that they they, honestly took two meetings to get their head around it. And we were like, and you'll serve drinks? tell the audience and they'll buy drinks and you're like yeah i think they'll love it and they did yeah it was a it was a good it only ended because of covid and i'm sure it'll be back but um yeah the dreaded c-bomb but um yeah it's uh um, it was an amazing different way of of experiencing that and i think there's a lot of health and safety and safeguarding that we take very seriously that comes along with Mm -hmm. you know because you're so intimately um Close to those audience members, um, and and that goes both ways. You know, um, we need to look after our cast and crews, and we need to look after our audiences. So that, and that's partly why it's not a free bar and it doesn't open all the way through. You know, when there's a party afterwards, so if you mm-hmm. want to get drunk, you can go and do that. Um, and all these kind of in infrastructure safeguarding things that we learned along the way that underpin that side of it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm excited to see, and also New York, um, you know, has very few. Immersive experiences like this, you know. It, it's- that is very true. They are eager,
1: desperate for anything bigger than like a two-week run at a borrowed space somewhere versus the granddaddy punch drunk or, uh, you know, Third Rail Productions does things like Then She Fell and we just, we missed big installations that last longer than a couple of weeks
2: yeah and, and 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 um so many of those closed you know not um because of the pandemic and other factors i think that i'm really excited to bring that back and, and give that to an audience partly because there's not many um offers out there and i've seen some of the best immersive work i've ever seen has been by third rail you know i've been in these kind of pop-up um stuff in new york i mean it's it's the absolute you know, uh, second and first city, and I think London and New York vie for it all the time,
1: all, the time, uh, all year long. We should, yeah, yeah. we should, as yeah. we have every right to. Yeah,
2: exactly. Yeah. And, and and I love that. You know, I think I think I can hand on heart say that they're two of the best immersive making cities in the world, and, and some of the best creatives out there. Um, and and you're not teaching an audience in the same way. We a lot of places we've gone with Gatsby, we've been teaching an audience what an immersive theatre show is and what the role is, and all sorts of things before you get to the art. Mm -hmm. Um, whereas I think they'll be ready to go you know I think they know exactly and partly because we do what we say on the tin you know it is the most great gas because
1: Speaking of being ready to go, so I know we're we're coming sort of to the close of our chat here, but I would be remiss if I didn't mention, uh, apparently there is a thing about plane tickets and a hotel stay for a lucky fan. Is that still on?
2: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
1: So so tell us a little bit about that. Yeah.
2: So we ran a a competition uh, for the final uh, audiences in the London Gatsby that will fly you out. You'll stay at the hotel um, where, where Gatsby is performing and you'll have a VIP track Uh, through Gatsby there for opening night so we'll do previews and we'll we'll get you out there for for the big opening night Um, and that was yeah I think that's partly to pay homage to how far we've come (laughs) what what an absurd journey Gatsby's been on I'd love to take some audience members and fly them over and and make a fuss of them and come and 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 see it with us in New York because we're excited too you know I want to see it (laughs) I want to go
1: is that still open or has that already been yeah. Have you guys have already chosen
2: yeah. your lucky winner we've we've closed it because it was tied to, to the London performances we closed 7th of January whenever that was a month ago um, so yeah so if you've got so we your...
1: missed this one but if they're super sure uh, productive we and wonderful in New York City they might open a sweepstakes again in yeah. future <laughs> watch this space I'm
2: sure there'll be more and there'll be loads of stuff like that we're really proud of what we're doing here and also um, we've not said this to anybody yet but Gatsby will be back in London um, in a bigger way um, which is fun so we're just tying all of that up and teeing all of that up but it but a very i think when we're able to announce it i think audience members will be like oh yeah that's cool it, it's kind of like a, a bigger well now i'm excited yeah mm-hmm. it's it's you know we we did have the the last venue we had was this kind of gorgeous townhouse in mayfair it was actually a, a former army base and i think the next venue we've got is a step up from that where everyone will be like oh yeah that that's a big night um so i'm, I'm really looking forward to that hasn't when we can we can talk about it which would be Spring, yeah, it's not, we're not far away now. So, um, yeah, Gatsby just keeps moving from strength to strength. It's going to take a fluid, um in, in Wales uh, this May, uh, and then it'll do a bit of UK touring and then come back um, into London is the, the game plan there. So, yeah, it's, it's the gift that keeps on giving. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic.
1: Well, we're all very excited. Well, uh, Brian, thank you so much for joining us today uh, and letting No Pro chat with you. Uh, we're very excited for Great Gatsby to open in New York City. We look forward to seeing you there.
2: Thank you. Thanks very much.
0: Once again, I want to thank Brian Hook of Immersive Everywhere for being our guest and Shelley Snyder for filling in on the host duties this week. And all of you who back us at patreon.com slash no for making that possible because without your support, we couldn't ship Shelly the equipment. Well, oh, that's a tongue twister. Uh, <laughs> straight up, we, we just couldn't send her the equipment to do it. More dispatches from London soon. Really excited about what we're going to be able to get to you out there. Keep an eye out. Uh, tickets are already actually available uh, for... Uh, The Great Gatsby in New York City. Uh, That's going to start up in May. I believe May 2nd is the first date I can see here uh, on the app. And again, it's at the Mansion Park Central Hotel in New York City. Uh, If you're looking for other great classics, maybe you're over here in Los Angeles, keep an eye on this week's newsletter because... After Hours Theatre Company has teamed up with the Shakespeare Center of Los Angeles to help bring about the Immersive Tempest. They are doing the Tempest at the Shakespeare Center, uh, one of the last shows they're going to do before they renovate the space. And they've brought in our friends at After Hours Theatre Company, who, disclosure, are our co-producers on the Immersive Invitational events uh, to uh, um, help uh, create an immersive experience in and around the show. Looking forward to checking that one out in the month of March. Also, keep Without Walls on your radar. Uh, There's going to be some announcements, I think not too long, about what the lineup's going to be. I've heard some shipboard scuttlebutt, and I'm excited as to what they've got cooking. And looking forward to see what our friends down in La Jolla have going on for this year's festival. Um, I've done two versions of this so far, uh, both of which I cut because I did not like. Uh, Suffice it to say, uh, I am hip deep in, along with Eric Vossmeyer and with Catherine Yu in, yes, Catherine's still in the mix, uh, in programming the next stage this year. Uh, We had a meeting with our board, uh, who are very, 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 very smart, very very sharp uh and who uh, lit a fire under us in a couple of different directions and uh just earlier this week and i just wish i could tell you everything we've got already planned but uh we got to wait like another another week two weeks at most um i'll tell you right now march 7th whatever we have on march 7th uh well not whatever i might hold a few things back but You will hear something on March 7th about the lineup if you haven't heard something about the lineup beforehand because we will be putting those tickets on sale on March 15th because we got to give everyone enough time to get here. And yes, if you had a discount in 2022 because you held a ticket in 2020, you will be getting a discount for this time as well. And for those who can't make it out or who miss because we've only got 160 tickets on sale along with the subsidized and the scholarships you will have some bonus uh, options as well uh, to 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 get that value uh, that that you're looking for um, yeah every time I've tried to do more on this it's gone in these rambly ways you know my brain and I don't want to do that to everyone also I didn't really have a proper lunch so that's probably what's really going on <laughs> I didn't. It just didn't work out that way today. I'm waiting I'm waiting to get tacos with someone soon. Um it's gonna be really solid. And with a few things we're doing, it's gonna be really fun. You know how we do. Those who've been before, they they know. And those who haven't and have been wondering what the big hubbub is, you'll you'll understand. You'll understand. And for everyone else, we are planning more things in more places, more meetups, more Interesting permutations of of the kinds of events we've done before. Team-ups with other organizations. There's a bunch of irons in the fire. Uh, Just got to get this this bake started. And once that bakes on, then uh, we can start uh, putting some other things in the oven and getting even more announcements out there and uh, spreading the good word about immersive work to the four corners of the planet. (sighs) I sighed because... Sometimes I'm like, oh, that sounds like hype to me, but it also sounds like a lot of work, and I don't know which part makes me sigh more uh, when I go into hype man mode or when I realize just how much work there is ahead of us. A lot. A lot of work ahead of us. Uh, Next week on the show, Nancy Baker Cahill, one of my favorite people to talk to, is here. We have a lovely, lovely conversation. You're going to have a lot of fun with that one. And coming up in not too long, a Team Speak episode, and we've got a couple other fun things. Uh, we've just been booking some cool guests this week, uh, and we're working on, uh, well, I don't want to spoil that one. So uh, we're working on something interesting. And I hope I didn't just jinx myself by saying we're working on something interesting. Uh, it got the team really excited. Now we just got to make the schedules work. Uh, if you are making work at South by Southwest, hey, give us a holler. We've got a couple of people on the ground this year uh, working their day jobs, but also keeping an eye out for activations. We'd love to send folks through. Uh, also, if, because um, there's a few weeks left to go, if you're casting like House of Yes Yeses, uh, and they're in this week's call sheet, uh, also give us a holler. Uh, we'll put it in the call sheet and we'll try and uh, hook you up with folks as best we can. Uh, that's it for this week. Lest I start going off in different directions, let's get you on with the rest of it and get me, I don't know, listening to uh, a more civilized age talk about Obi-Wan or something, Obi-Wan Kenobi. That, there, that'll settle my need to talk. I'll just listen. I do listen, it happens. No proscenium is... Associate produced by Parker Sella. That's not how you say it. Don't care. Keep going. That's how you say Parker's name. That's how you say the credits name. Music for, for No person Name is by Chris Porter of the Speakeasy Society and Solar the Podcast. I really need those tacos. Special thanks to Siobhan O'Loughlin for voicing our intro. You know, this whole thing fell apart last time because I said special thanks, uh, like some kind of horrible mashup of Elmer Fudd and Sean Connery. Uh, and this mess is my fault. I'm Noah Nelson. And until next time, I'll see you at the show.